We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Alex here from the True Faith Podcast. You may have been listening to this podcast for a very long time when we now have American adverts at the start at the end and a couple of times in the middle of the podcast uh, for many years we have rejected many different uh, attempts from advertisers to advertise on the true faith podcast uh, we're approached by a company who basically made us an offer we felt like we couldn't refuse um the adverts are primarily for an american audience that's fine hello to those people in america hopefully those uh, adverts are of some use to you. Uh, all of the money that we get from advertisements goes back into making Newcastle United fan content, whether it be this podcast, the True Faith YouTube channel, uh, true-faith.co.uk, which is one of the most popular Newcastle United websites out there, and uh, of course our print fanzine. So we did it, we took the decision to take the leap. Um, we're sorry if it's you know not exactly what you've been used to on True Faith nearly every other kind of podcast these days that I listen to, whether it's about football or whether it's about something else, has adverts in them. It's the new world. Um, podcasts are, you know, going in that direction. You can still catch all of the podcasts ad-free on our Patreon platform, which is only £5.50 a month for ad-free True Faith podcasts and lots of other True Faith podcasts. Uh, this season, we're going to be upping our free content to two podcasts a week, um, as well as the four or five extra shows on Newcastle United on, on our parent platform as well. So loads coming from us, the adverts and the partnership with the company Blue Wire um, help us do that, so we're grateful to them. I just wanted to say that in case you thought, what the hell's going on here? Why are there, uh, why are there American adverts in my podcast? Well, that's why. I hope, it's, uh, I hope that's okay with everyone. We're going to keep working hard, maybe harder than the team in training, um, to keep producing quality Newcastle United content for Newcastle United fans. Of course, I'm only joking there. The, uh, the team train really, really hard and really, really professional, and the manager doesn't go on holiday during the season. Um, so I'll leave you with the show today. Thanks for listening to this two-minute little bit of a ramble. Apologies. First you got the advert, then you got me explaining. I won't do it again. Cheers. It's your True Faith, Newcastle United podcast. Um, Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, and we're going to talk to you all about uh, this week about Newcastle United's Friday night statement. Statement on the website about their summer transfer window, what it tells us, what it's trying to tell us, and what we make of it. We'll also have full audio of my chat with the Monday Night Club on uh, Five Live this week. First of all, Norman, delighted to be with you. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. I think this is the first um, podcast we've done since 
you got back from your holiday, right? So how are you and how was the holiday, mate? I'm good. Uh, holiday was was brilliant. Um, lovely time away out of the country. First time in a long time, uh, obviously, because of the pandemic. But I watched the Southampton game uh, in a bar and the barman saw me coming. Um, every time my pint got half empty, there was another one there. And uh, I'm known as a particularly quick, quick drinker amongst the lads. Probably not as quick as you, but amongst the rest of the lads. Um, and uh, I watched it with my wife and then got absolutely mortal drunk, as you'd expect. Watch a bit of Chelsea Liverpool afterwards, but um, funny story. Don't know whether anyone else has had this, particularly as a Newcastle fan on holiday. The next day in our hotel, there was uh, they were showing Wolves Manu. I think because it was Manu, it might have been on mainstream Cypriot television. Not even that, but they didn't have Newcastle Southampton advertised in the hotel, so I had to go to a bar. And um, <laughs> my wife just went, "Look at those fans! Load, loads of people watching it. Some Wolves fans, some Manu fans." All getting on well. It was I mean, I was gonna say it was only one nil, but both teams played well, blah, blah, blah. And my wife goes, um, can you see those football fans there watching that match? And I was like, Yeah, she went, What's different be- between them and you? And I was like, support different clubs. She went, No. <laughs> she went, You notice how they're all just sitting there watching, having a nice time with a couple of drinks. And I went, Yeah, and and she goes, Well, when you were watching the match, you couldn't go 30 seconds without shouting in front of the whole bar about how bad Newcastle's fullbacks were, about how bad the manager was, and about how stupid the football club is. And I was like, well, yeah, but both of those clubs don't have those issues. <laughs> so if they did, they might do. And she just said, well, I don't even know who Matt Ritchie is, but you say shite, and everyone else in the ball watched it thinks the same. So I got a little bit embarrassed by that, and maybe I need to regulate my activity in the future. Remember, I'm not watching the match with you in the way of Norman. Um, no, you don't. You don't need to regulate activity, mate. What you need to do is just not watch football with your wife. <laughs> yes, probably true. <laughs> I do have some sympathy for everyone else who's just like on the holiday, gone for a quiet drink on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm fucking shouting at Newcastle against Southampton on the screen, being angry, very angry. Um, but the lads talked about it in the podcast, so we'll we'll move on. Norman, Friday night, out the blue, little surprise for the Newcastle United support and public. The football club, for the first time since about the 60s, decided to communicate, if you can call this communication, with its fan base about the, well, it said club update, summer 2021, summer no capital, summer 2021 transfer window. Um, and it wasn't named at the end, which is incredible. First of all, Norman, just your general thoughts on the whole thing. What what, what do you make of it? Once again, I'm left, or was left, pretty flabbergasted by something the club have done. It, it It's reminiscent of those mad interviews that Mike Ashley gives on Sky when the club's gone through a particularly bad period. Basically, the whole of Ashley's reign's been a bad period, bar, you know, the occasional chink of light breaking through the darkness. But when it's got really, really bad, Ashley's gone on TV and done those interviews, and this just feels a bit like that. It's almost like preempting the horror show that might occur during my next home game, especially if we go goal behind. This almost feels like they're, they're kind of getting in, they're, get, they're almost getting like the first sort of punch in what could be a very nasty fight, right? Um, that's what it felt like. And, and obviously on reading it, the initial reading, as I say, there's almost like no emotion other than what is this? What are they saying? And then you break it down and you, you look at the words and the sentences and you're thinking like... What who who's writing this for a start? How many people are writing it? Like how many people are sat around writing it? Is it just one person? Is it three people? Who is sitting? If it is more than one person, how are they arriving at some at the agreement? Yeah, like what what who are these people? Um, and then you, you continue reading and you just think that the, the disconnect 
between the people running the club and the fans, it's so wide. It is so big that disconnect because there is nothing in that statement. I don't think any fan with a modicum of intelligence would look at and think, oh, that's fair enough, because it's just ridiculous, mate. It's truly ridiculous. And um, that, that would be my initial and subsequent reaction. It hasn't really changed since then. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you hit the nail, nail on the head and I'm, I'm, you have phrased it beautifully. Who are these people? Who are these people and why? Why is no one allowed the right to reply? I mean, technically, this is a right to reply to the few thousand people who listen to our podcast, but it just, it, fe- it feels so on brand. It's just an on brand, it's an on brand message from an on brand institution um, who who hide, who hide from accountability, who who hide from from all, almost in that, you know, I think this is kind of true of, of a lot of aspects of modern life a little bit, but particularly in football and particularly in Newcastle United, and I include some fans in this as well. It's almost like a consequence-free reality. So it's like we're going to replace the much-beloved manager with a dud uh, who hasn't been in the Premier League for however many years, who last last time he was in the Premier League got relegated. And it's almost like they expect that there'd be no consequences to that. And it's like we're not going to sign any players. Tell you what, I'll give you some, some a couple of examples. Um, we're going to bring in a couple of people um, above club legend Kevin Keegan, who's doing a good job in charge, um, and make him answer to them, and there'll be no consequences to that, and we'll get relegated. We will um, not replace Alan Pardew. We will give the job to John Carver, who isn't suited for the role, and there'll be no consequences to that, nearly got relegated. Uh, we'll hire Steve McLaren from the Championship, who wouldn't get another Premier League job. You know, go, it goes on and on and on. It's this consequence-free attitude where it's almost like if these things happen, it's got nothing to do with us, and that, that's where this statement comes in. Like you've just correctly said, it's almost kind of it's a little bit of a proxy war, and it has to it has to do with the manager briefing. Let's face it, Luke Edwards of the Telegraph, who you know has written, Luke might completely disagree with that and say his his article's got nothing to do with this. I, 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 I myself would say that article came across very much as Steve Bruce's point of view. That's open to interpretation. Um, Mick Martin on the True Faith website wrote a good, a good article, and he refers to the club's ownership and the people who run the club as ABC, Ashley Barnes Charney, and that's a quite a nice way to put it. So I might use that abbreviation to save crucial seconds, Norman, in this podcast. When in terms of who's written it, and the fact that the fact that you know I've, I've never written an article by the way for for True Faith or anyone else who haven't put my name on the end. Maybe it's some sort of um, you know ego of mine, but most people would would put their name to what they write. To bring it back to what you said, who are these people? And and there's a lot. We're going to go through this this statement line by line, but I'm going to go back to what I said before. Um, no one's been given the right of reply here. There's, there's and, and 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 what we're going to have to do is assume a lot, and that's that's the issue with silence because silence and voids are often filled. Because if you don't tell people what's going on, people will assume and people will guess. And there's a couple of lines in here which I think are really, really um, good examples of, of of how the club has assumed what other people think, but other people are entitled to think whatever they like because the club don't talk to anyone. And this, in particular, by the way, um, you know what? What are, I haven't I haven't done a word count, but you're looking at maybe you know 800 words. Is is that really a suitable? Is that really a suitable summation of how Newcastle United operates and runs itself? 800 words on a Friday night with no right of reply? In fact, no accountability for who said these words? Why is there no accountability? Is there no accountability because no one wants to stick by these words? That's one 
potential theory. But we're, we're going to get into all that, and I've been talking a little while, Norman. The first thing to go at, and if you're watching this um, on YouTube, then there's some some uh, comments on the screen to follow. Um, we've picked out the key lines. So, Norman, our commitment to being run in a sustainable manner, which secures the financial viability of the club, is a long-standing one. I'm trying not to laugh. This does not come at the expense of being ambitious, and it is built on the core principle that we will spend what we have. And this is one of the key lines that has um, attracted a lot of derision, mate. What are your thoughts on this, particularly around, uh, you know, you've got the financial viability, only spending what we have, but that doesn't come at the expense of being ambitious. Your thoughts, mate? Well, mate, I've got um, four questions written directly underneath that particular sentence, uh, and those questions are, what are the ambitions? And they're now being stated. Brilliant. The ambitions... As far as we are concerned, are what Steve Bruce revealed last season, which is I've met the remit, i.e. I've kept the team up. Are they the ambitions? Is that what the ambition is? Because that is what the manager has told us, the remit, right? Um, is it true that we spend what we have? Is, is that true? Have, have these figures been released? Are we, are we privy as a fan base to the amount of money the club makes and the, the profit that is there that is supposedly available for expenditure on players? As far as I'm aware, this is something that has been mentioned on several occasions. Mike Ashley himself, I believe, mentioned it on, on one of his Sky interviews. And we were all under the impression that the previous manager, Rafael Benitez, was going to get that kind of back end, i.e. the profit that was generated. And that never happened. And um, as far as I'm aware as well, did Mike Ashley not take money out of the club that he claimed that he was owned, or, or money that he was owed, sorry, Um so again, it's it's another one of those paragraphs that we've that we've heard come out of you know the, the mouth of Mike Ashley himself more or less, and it doesn't really mean anything because there's no substance to it. As I say, what are the ambitions? Don't write, don't write. This does not come at the expense of being ambitious without actually stating what those ambitions are, because then what happens is fans will speculate, and you know, fan media and podcasts will speculate like we are right now. And may I suppose answer is well the ambition must just be to avoid relegation because that's what Steve Bruce said last season right really well said mate on all counts um I go back to probably the last time there was any kind of meaningful fan dialogue and that was 20 September 2018 the last fans forum and Charlie said it's not true it's not true it's category not true that the club only seeks to avoid relegation each season the club has um pre-existing objectives in its in its head um about you know, so for example, they said for seventeen eighteen, the aim was fifteenth, which Rafa exceeded, finishing tenth. For and this is the most ridiculous part. For eighteen nineteen, it was twelfth, which was you know aiming to finish lower than you'd finished last season. Uh, playing a little bit devil's advocate, trying to trying to not be completely blanket here. I think the argument would would be that they would say that would be a, a minimum target twelfth. They went and finished in thirteenth, as it happened, um, with one point more than the last season. Um, but I think you're right to say what are the ambitions, and you're right to say that for two reasons. One, you, for reasons you've already said, I'll not, I'll not repeat. The second one is then okay. So if this doesn't come at the expense of being ambitious, how would you explain Newcastle United's cup performances in the Mike Ashley era, in particular over the past five years, and who was responsible for? assumably not reaching those ambitions because if the ambition is to be um, knocked out by lower league clubs or any time you play a Premier League club to automatically just be out the cup, that's not an ambition. 
Um, so who's to blame for that? Is it the manager? Because the manager and managers in the past, such as Rafa Benitez, have said that the club pressured him to play weakened teams. I don't know where he said that publicly. Um, he definitely hinted at it. So if you state what your ambitions are, Norman, then there has to be some sort of accountability, doesn't there? So what are the ambitions and who can we hold to account if, this, if those ambitions aren't met? And I think you're spot on to raise the points that you have on that basis. The, the other point that the, this part of the statement makes is about this, you know, the, the um, commitment to being run in a sustainable manner. Hooray. Okay, I don't disagree with that. I don't want Newcastle United to be how they were at the end of the Shepherd era. I don't want Newcastle United to be, you know, Sunderland um, losing 20 to £30 million pound a year in the Premier League, which equates to dropping down the leagues. Don't even know what leagues are in these days. Northern League or something like that. Northern League Division 2. Who knows? I think they're doing well, though, so... Congratulations to them so far. Um, I mean, I'll talk about this by bringing in the next parts of the statements before I go on a little bit further. In a normal, in a normal year, our operating model would generate sufficient funds to enable us to make one or two quality first team additions, as well as investing in other areas. Uh, this approach takes time and requires careful management and long term planning, ensuring that we spend the money we generate wisely to benefit the club. Okay, so this idea that uh, the club has to be sustainable, I agree. I think that the best way for the club to be sustainable is to be a kind of vibrant, ambitious uh, football club at the heart of its community um, and that generates huge amounts of money to be able to reinvest in the club. Newcastle's commercial revenue is down on when Ashley bought the club. Why is that? Who's responsible for that? How does that line with our ambitions? Who knows? We can't. There's no right of reply here. Um, and in addition to that, um, it's almost like the the way that they talk about um, the core principle that we will spend what we have, considering that this is a statement about not adding at all to the first team squad, completely, completely ignores deeper issues here. So Norman, I'll, I'll ask you here, do you think these are, are, are reasonable questions for a fan like me to ask or like anyone else to ask? Okay, so we can only spend what we're bringing. Fair enough. How could we not afford, allegedly afford, the loan fee for both Hamza Chowdhury and the centre-back at uh, Man United who signed for Villa, whose name escapes me? Um, how, yeah, to Nzebi. How, how could we not afford that? Considering, considering we have shown off the wage bill, DeAndre Yedlin, Florian Lejeune, Andy Carroll, Muto, Mike Longstaff's gone to Aberdeen. Who knows who, who's paying what wages there? So maybe not that one. And I'm probably missing a Saibier, Lazar. Saibier, Atsu, Lazar. Now, this is this is where the problem comes in. It, it's, it's all right putting on pieces of paper, putting on your website that we'll spend everything we have. It's almost what's the right word here? It's almost kind of like we're gonna we're gonna give you what we think you can understand. We're not gonna show we're working. We're not going to prove anything. This is football and this is big boy stuff. And you guys, you, you know, you're, you're just football fans. You don't understand this. Can you understand where I'm coming from? And do you think that's a reasonable argument? And, and were, were they indeed questions that you had? 100%. Look at that sentence on, on the screen now. Um, long-term plan. What, what does that mean? Where's the investment in the academy, for example, to bring through players and, you know, to, to nurture local talent? And to generate your to generate your own, your really your own first team squad through your academy. That to me, that's long term planning to me. Investing in the future. If you look at other clubs in the Premier League who bring through players, 
Arsenal, Chelsea, for example, Brighton, who have Albion have got like about four players in there who were making in their first team who have come through the academy, right? Um, we, I, I, don't, I don't see any any sign of that. So that long-term plan aspect's gone. Long-term planning, when you factor in that we've had two relegations in like 13 seasons, that doesn't sound like much of a long-term plan. Um, bringing in your number one target, supposedly your number one target, who, who was your number one target in May, bringing him in a day before the season started and registering him too late to even make his debut on the first day of the season, despite the fact that you've said he was your, he was your long-term plan. Where's the long-term plan in there? Why did it go to the last minute? It went to the last minute because the club apparently tried to get him on loan initially and weren't, weren't allowed to take him on loan, so they had to buy him. That's Again, these are rumours, right? Because the club doesn't really communicate, does it? Um, and to spend the money wisely, so the previous manager, one of the greatest living managers in football at the moment, Rafael Benitez, in terms of success he's had in the game, told you not to spend £40 million on Joe Linton, yet you went out and spent £40 million on Joe Linton. That was, a, that was a decision taken by someone who knows probably not even 1% of what Benitez knows as a football manager. So where, where was the wise decision-making then? Um, nothing about that statement that is on the screen right now makes any sense whatsoever. There's nothing there to... There is nothing there as far as I can see because, again, communication to to evidence it. There's nothing there to evidence what, it's, what is on the screen there. So as a fan, you're going to speculate and, and, and look, you're going to comment on what you see in front of you. And what we see in front of us is a team with a poor football academy, a stadium that's falling apart, a team that kind of get two loan signings over the line, and a team that signs the whole target, the whole summer target, a day before the window. All and spends forty million on Joe Linton. So yeah, but none, none of that to me makes any sense. I'm afraid. And this is the problem, and I'll probably keep coming back to it. Maybe there's a reason um, that Joe Willock signed too late that had nothing to do with Newcastle United. Maybe, but but because Newcastle United don't have that conversation with anyone. You ha- you assume the worst because because of all the other things you've correctly just said there. Why would the club whose stadium looks worse than m- most stadiums in the Premier League in terms of upkeep? Why wouldn't they apply that kind of shoddy laissez-faire attitude towards their first team squad? And maybe maybe there are good reasons for this. Maybe Newcastle United gets blamed for things it doesn't deserve the blame for. But then it's very hard for me to even get that sentence out because you do deserve the blame if you're not interested in communicating and and and. I wouldn't say educating, but giving your side of the story to your fan base, the people that you you should you should represent, you're there to serve. If you can't even be asked to make those arguments and let people decide for themselves, then you don't deserve any benefit of the doubt. Um, let's move on. The last two years have been challenging with COVID-19 having a considerable impact on the club's finances and therefore the amount of cash we have available to spend. This is the crux of it, mate. This is the crux. I think everyone was quietly surprised at Newcastle United's transfer window last summer. All right. We have no details or evidence about how those signings were done, about how we managed to, you know, we all assumed would spend, for Newcastle United, would spend heavily in 1920. Joe Linton, Alison Maximine, Kraft. <laughs> um, 1920, we spent a lot of money on Wilson. Um, Ryan Fraser comes in on big wages. That seemed to be a reward for Steve Bruce for towing the party line, keeping them in the league relatively straightforward-wise. And then COVID hits, they will have known, and I know, well, they will have known that season 2021 was a high chance of being played behind closed doors. So, yes, the last two years have been challenging. Yes, COVID-19 had a considerable impact. But how do you explain last summer? How do you explain it? I can't explain it. Maybe the club can explain it. They don't want to. 
the other thing is, and this is the this is the key point, Norman, isn't it? This is the key point. Every single other Premier League club, and I think every single other club in the Championship, brought in a new player, <laughs> a new player, and Newcastle United haven't. So what makes Newcastle United so different that COVID could have? Bear in mind, the, the, we're the sustainable ones, according to the club. We're the ones who um, make sure that every, every decision is made for the financial viability of the club and it's a long-standing commitment. And it's a core principle being sustainable. So how come every single other club managed to bring in players and we and we didn't mate? Is that is that is that what is that what you're getting from this? Is there something I'm missing here? Is there anything else you want to add to this key part of the statement? I think that the question I ask is that has any other club in the Premier League all you know equally impacted by COVID in the sense that you know it happened to everyone. Obviously, other clubs are wealthier because they have you know very rich benefactors, but have those clubs on a par with Newcastle or ever so slightly wealthier or less wealthy, have they followed the same model? And if they haven't followed the same model as Newcastle United, I would ask, well, why is that? If if the model that Newcastle United have, this, you know, this sort of self-perpetuating sustainable model that's supposed to be absolutely brilliant, um, why doesn't another club follow that model? If, it, if it's that good, um, I, I don't understand it. And, and I suppose what I also asked myself was, well, if this model is intelligent and it's got part of a long-term plan. We're in, I think, what we in now might actually took over in 2007. So we're in 14 years now, maybe the 15th season, perhaps. And we're still really as terrible as we were when he took over, um, as I say, apart from the occasional blip. So whatever this long-term plan is, this sustainable model, I keep thinking to myself, well, it's not really working, is it? We've had a terrible start of the season as well, by the way. I know it's only three games in and oh, who's, who's, who's pressing panic buttons? I'm not. But, you know, it's not really three games, is it? It's, it's two seasons under Bruce... It's two seasons on a Rafa where the investment was minimal. So you're looking at four. We're back. When my fifth season back in the Premier League, and we are no further forward than we were five seasons ago. Um, so whatever this sustainable long-term plan is, it's not one that's been practiced by other clubs, as far as I'm aware, and it's one that doesn't seem to be working. So maybe it's time for for a rethink. But again, because the club just put out sentences in a statement without any any sort of evidence, but there's no evidence-based kind of um, rationale here. It's not like we we are doing this because of this, 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 and this, and this is what's happening. It's just, we're doing this, bang, that's it. So that, that as I say, again, it's pure speculation, but um, I've got questions written down, yeah? That, that's the question there. Is this model one that is practiced by any of the clubs who have resources similar to Newcastle? I don't think it is. I don't think so either. Um, you know, this is, I'm going to come on to this in a bit about, Comparing yourself to other clubs, <laughs> but like, think about imagine if you're Watford. Imagine if you're Watford. You've come up to the Premier League. You've got a budget miles less than Newcastle United. A turnover last season because in the Championship. How do they do it? How do these clubs practice witchcraft and manage to, you know, add to their add footballers, new footballers to their team, even on loan? <laughs> they actually sign a lot of players. We can't even do it on loan. And here's here's. Here's the crucial part. I keep saying that, but you know, never mind my inconsistencies. It's not about me. Internally, all parties have long been aware of the budgetary perimeters under which we are operating. Shots fired, Norman. Shots fired by ABC in the direction of Steve Bruce. Do you agree? I mean, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think what's happened yet again is that a manager of Newcastle United has been told one thing. And then two seasons later, that's completely changed. And by coming out and 
alluding to the fact that maybe what they've been promised or what they thought they'd been promised isn't actually being delivered by even just by hinting at it, the club have come out, you know, firing cannons, right? And that's that's kind of what this is, right? It's all parties is is Steve Bruce basically, and the the rumor that he was trying to set up loan deals himself, which, by the way, for a Premier League club is truly spectacular that the manager has been making phone calls because he can't get any kind of noise or you know, any support from the people above him. For him to do that is just a disgrace in itself. And Bruce would be well within his rights to say, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, um, And the club to come out and say that, yes, to me, it sounds very much like a, an incredibly public slapping on the wrist for Steve Bruce and almost get back in your place. We're running this. You know that. Shut up and get on with it. More, more or less, that that's what it sounds like to me. Um, one thing I will quickly ask is um, the Joe Willock signing. Once it was confirmed that the player would be available on a permanent deal, a collaborative decision was taken to pursue this option. What? Who is the collaborative? Who is the collaborative making these decisions? That's another another part of this, right? All parties have been long away. Who are all parties? A collaborative decision. Who is the collaborative? None of this is briefed out. So again, it's it's speculation, and we're speculating that this particular sentence you've got on the screen is the club telling Steve Bruce to shut up and crack on. Totally agree. And that's interesting. Interesting for lots of reasons. But Bruce so far has been seen as the poster boy of the Ashley Museum. Take your money, do what you can, shut up, tell everyone how good I am as an owner. That is now that's now gone. That's now gone. And we've we saw in the raft of Anita's there was never what once it was gone, it was gone. There was never a reconciliation. Never. Whether Bruce can repair this, whether Bruce wants to repair this is, is another question. You know, there are there are discussions amongst Newcastle fans about Steve Bruce resigning, not because of the lamentable state of his football team, but because of this exact issue. And that was before. You talked about it on the Pro View with Keith, Keith Gillespie, the show you did through the week on our Patreon platform, about Bruce resigning over all of this. So that was before this statement. Bruce has gone to Portugal. I think it was, you know, again, to quote you, Norman, you said, get over to Portugal, Steve, clear your air, have a clear, clear your head, have a beer type thing. A lot of Newcastle fans, I think, would have a lot of respect for Steve Bruce if, if he did walk away. But I, I reckon Steve Bruce was told when he came in, just like Rafa Benitez was told, you can have what you generate. You finish 12th rather than 17th, there's an extra £6 million there, you can have it. And that that doesn't correlate to A, yes, they got Willa Condone, but it's with it's staggered payments. So it's not like a huge chunk of the pot has gone that was going to be there. Steve Bruce, like Rafa Benitez, when he finished 10th, will be asking himself, will be asking himself, how or where has that money gone? I've finished 12th, so it's, I mean, it's, what is it, £1.4 million a place between mm-hmm. 12th and 17th? Or is it £1.8 million a place these days, possibly? It's a lot of money. Surely I've got that money to spend. Surely I can bring in two players on loan, one player on loan. And, the, you know, if I'm going to get really... Um, you know, dig into it really and speculate, but we'll have to speculate because there's no right of reply. Um, <laughs> you know, where's that Where's that breakdown come from? Because Steve Bruce, he, 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 here's Newcastle summer. Newcastle get beat at York, Steve Bruce says we're skint. Well, budget's about 10 million. Okay, so he seems to be on board. He seems, you know, Steve Bruce seems to be on board. Steve Bruce talks about Joe Willock, trying to bring him in, doing everything we can. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's on board with that. 
but he talks about loan signings and he talks about loan signings all summer. So Steve Bruce clearly thought he didn't have any money to spend. They'd get Willock if they could get him on loan or they'd do staggered payments, maybe pay 10 million up front. The clear breakdown is that Bruce thinks he can bring in a midfielder that will make a lot of difference, a lot of difference to his team who would definitely start on his team because Bruce doesn't fancy his midfield. I mean, some people would argue building it around John Joe Shelby is, is his fault and his mistake, but he doesn't fancy his midfield. He doesn't rate Sean Longstaff. He doesn't seem to rate Isaac Hayden. Um, he plays Miguel Almiron there, who's not, not a midfielder, to the detriment of both the player and the team, in my opinion. Uh, he brought in Jeff Hendrick. How, you know, I could slay Bruce for that, but again, it's on a free. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I doubt if you gave Bruce ten million pound last summer, would he have gone and paid ten million for Jeff Hendrick if he was on the contract? Probably not. <laughs> Definitely not from what we've seen so far. Um, but clearly, there's that. There's that. Bruce feels he's been betrayed because he could have brought in some players and now. Why have the club done that? No one. I'll put this to you. Do you think the club finally are worried about what they've seen so far from Steve Bruce and their commitment to him might not be as absolute as before, or is that wishful thinking from me? For me, that's wishful thinking because. Kevin Keegan went through something similar. Um, you know, he was he was lied to. He was basically made promises that that weren't kept. You know, this he actually went to court, and this, this is evidenced in court, right? Um, more or less the same thing happened. Alan Shearer, he was told that you know basically the job was his. He'd started putting in place um, plans for the summer summer training camp, etc. They didn't even bother calling him. Apparently, um, the same thing happened to Rafa, and it's happening to Bruce. It happened to Paul Jew repeatedly. Um, the Andy Carroll situation, for example, he's not leaving, he's not leaving, he's not leaving, bang, he's gone. Pardew didn't get that money. We went out and bought a few players in the summer, but it wasn't the, the Andy Carroll fee that was spent, that's for sure. Um, so they might look at it and they might think Brucey isn't maybe the manager we thought he was. I don't think that's the situation because in this statement, they mention where the team finished last season. They mention the form... I mean, I hope we get into this bit about the last the, the last nine games, which is one of the greatest sentences ever constructed. Um, so I think I think they think that Bruce has got enough in that squad, and there's enough talent there for him, regardless of his you know his um, lack of ability as a manager. He's got enough ability to to meet the what is it the um, ambitions that the club have, which we know are, which as far as we're at, is the remit of staying up. So no, I don't think it's that. Mean. I just think it's a it's a pattern. It's a pattern of what it appears Mike Ashley does as an owner of a football club and the owner of um, various enterprise, um, various other enterprises, there isn't any consistency in what he says. He says something and it doesn't really mean anything because it could change quickly. And that's that's what's happening again as far as I can see, mate. All good points. All good points. Um, we'll move on. Uh, the deal to bring Joe Willock uh, to the club was formally completed on Friday the 13th of August. That's them saying, I think, that that's why I couldn't play against West Ham. But the, the next bit's a little bit funny. We'll not you know, dwell long. And we are beyond delighted to have secured him. A little bit too much, that beyond. Can you be beyond delighted? Is it possible? I don't know. Emotions are different to different people. But it just seems a bit like... But even formally completed, mate. Like, the thing is, if it wasn't formally completed, then it wasn't completed, right? Like, it's not informally completed. Just because you see over the phone, yeah, we're definitely signing and brilliant. It's still not completed, right? So it's just that, again, it's just... Like language, it's almost like they've written this letter trying to sound clever and intellectual and professional, and it's just come across as like sounding like it's been cobbled together over over like a, a pub fireplace that maybe one of them has vomited in after having too many pints at some point. Um, it's ridiculous. Our preference to pay transfer fees up front. This is this cracked me up. 
rather than spreading payments over several years, is well documented. Is it well documented? Where will I find these documents? How available are they? Like, well, I think I think you might have said it before once. <laughs> it was well documented. I mean, that, that's a quite archived a in Newcastle uh, Civic Centre, mate. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of saying. I think what they're saying is everyone knows this. Our preference pay transfer fees up front rather than spreading payments over several years is well documented. The frustrating thing we all said in 2018 when the first club when the club first said this is that's fine, all right, okay. You know, I'm I'm just a humble fan. I don't know anything about the world of money and business and football. It's you know, thank God we've got you lads in here to to run the club. What would we do without you? One question: How come you accept payments spread over several windows? but won't buy players like that? Because that seems like you're giving your direct rivals an advantage, a clear advantage. But what do I know? Because that, that in fact, that seems absurd. It seems absurd. Um, but we'll go on. We'll, we'll continue on this, uh, on this line, Norman. We believe this approach to be in the club's long-term interests, giving the club far greater certainty and control over its spending in future windows and seasons. So, I mean, you're basically saying there, to follow up what I've said, mate, I don't know whether you want to come in on this, but what they're basically saying there is that we almost have an advantage over all these other clubs because those other clubs aren't giving themselves greater certainty and control over their spending, idiots, by bringing players in over staggered payments to, you know, be able to bring in more players without having the money almost in the bank to pay the, the lump sum. I mean, there's all those stupid people out there with mortgages, Instead of just saving up the money until they're seventy-five and uh, and buying the house outright, but you know football's different, so I'm I'm being being silly. Um, anything on on those two comments, mate? Or should we move on from you? Did you make any notes on those? I, I didn't. I think we should move on because I, I think the only thing I can say about those comments is it, it's just a load of words, isn't it? Really, there's nothing of any kind of substance in there. Um, they've, they've said something without again without explaining themselves, and I lo- I love this idea of. Them getting thinking they've got one over on other Premier League clubs when ultimately, you know, we're, we're currently fourth bottom in the Premier League and we're absolutely terrible. I don't know what advantage we've got, but um, to me, it looks more like a disadvantage. Yeah. Since summer 2019, the club has made nine permanent signings and taken five players on loan. Now, again, the, the, these are just stats, all right? There's no... You could all speculate, we can speculate, and maybe we will, about why this has been written in this statement, but they're just stats... To me, that's not that's not the kind of thing you want to shout about. So summer 2019, how many transfer windows is that? So there's 19, January 20, summer 20, January 21. So that's, five, that's over five windows. Nine players over five windows, not a lot, you know. Most clubs have five or six new signings per summer window, if not more. Um, and then a couple in January. And it's like, oh, if we've taken five players on loan. Oh, God, like, get in. <laughs> you know, we used to be... Um, Balance sheet champions. Now we're like five players on loan champions. Like, why even write that? Like, what? Who's that for? <laughs> you keep saying who wrote this. Who? Who is? Who is it for? Because it's, do, did bringing in um, Valentin Lazaro, like, and um, Danny Rose, like, what? What? Like, to be frank, what the fuck's that got to do with literally anything? Like, literally anything to do in the world. What has that got to do with anything? Nine permanent signings and five players on loan, mate. I don't know. What? What do you think? Because to me, it's just like we've. We have descended. It's like they were trying quite hard for the first couple of paragraphs. And now it's just like, you know, it's like a kid with a deadline of an exam. And it's just like, just write anything. Just anything uh, will do. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure the first draft was written like in felt tip. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think I mean, 120 million over five windows. What, what's that, like 22 million a window? Is that what that is, more or less? 23 million or something like that? Like per window? Like, is that is that excessive compared to 
most of the clubs in the Premier League. And by the way, a football club that does get pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, a club that basically hasn't dipped below an average attendance of 40-odd thousand, right, for like years, for absolutely years, right? Um, so a, cl a club that, just by the mere weight of its support, ought to be at an advantage over many other clubs if managed properly, obviously. The loan signings, I mean, wow. Is that, right, we've taken five players on loan, so what you need to think about is we had to pay them as well. We didn't just get them for free, we had to pay them. Oh, well, if you had to pay them then, wow, we've spent loads of money, really, because we got them on loan, but we had to pay their wages. How much money are you spending? This is a madness. How can we sustain myself if I have to pay players' wages? Why can't we not just go to other clubs and get those players on loan and let them, let the feeder clubs pay the wages? It's absolutely, <laughs> it's mind-boggling. It's mind-bogglingly shit, that paragraph, mate. Yeah, so it's our net spend over this period is circa 120 million open brackets, 160 million spent on players, and 40 million received from sales. So that's 20 million. That's a 20 million net in five transfer windows for a Premier League club so, that came up from the championship in 2017. That to me does not represent a gigantic amount of investment on average. No, and and, and there's a huge issue there, and maybe we don't have time to get into it in this podcast. 40 million pounds is is really shit. And now you, you you paid off DeAndre Yedlin, you paid off what well, Christian Atsu and Henry Saive and Lazar's contracts came to an end. Lejeune's left for a little bit of money. Miguel Marino probably makes up fucking like a large chunk of that forty million pound received. He was he was here five minutes. You know, we had Solomon Rondon who was who was playing Premier League football, didn't sign him for sixty million pound when he had the chance, and he would have played four seasons for Newcastle United for that money. Um, I think Lee had called it the worst pound for pound signing he's ever done. At this football club, or maybe this football club has ever done. That's before the sign Joe Linton. That's before the signs Joe Linton. Whether he's wonder whether he's changed his mind. But just to move on, because this 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 point is is spread over a few lines of this. Uh, we have delivered and our commitment to spending what we have, and indeed because of our business this summer, having spent more more than what we have to secure our primary target. Uh, to suggest otherwise is misleading, and claims that money have been taken out of the club are wholly untrue. So that's fine, all right. You know, Mike Ashley hasn't taken money out of the club. Big elephant in the room, summer 2018, account show we took, I forget the exact figure, to the million, 31, 33, 35 million pounds. Basically took, Rafa Benitez wouldn't sign a new contract, so Mike Ashley took his money for himself. Unprecedented in Premier League or indeed probably football history in this country. Those kind of figures being taken out by an individual of a club um, that damaged the club so much, so much. Uh, club hasn't recovered. Um, the interesting thing here, mate, before we talk about this kind of why they've gone into this misleading thing, we have delivered on our commitment to spending what we have. Yes, but it's like fucking hell, lads. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You've got me. You know, the easy thing to do is to be like everyone's a cunt in Newcastle. I hate them. They're stupid. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. And maybe some people would say that's true. But I'm 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 behind the sustainability. I don't want to be Sunderland or Leeds, you know, or, or all these clubs. That's why we set up the 1892 pledge scheme because I'm worried that will happen. Um, but I'm I'm behind you. But what this does, it says, well, we can listen, listen, lads. We can only spend what we've got. What do you want from where? Yeah, but why do we have so little to spend? Like, why, 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 why are only forty-four thousand people turning up to St James's Park? Why are ten thousand season ticket holders? wrap in after you let one of them's on this podcast now after you let Rafa Benitez go if you had those 10 I'd appreciate right fuck the pandemic I'm not even going to bring that into my calculations because I'm not smart enough but like 
just say even two seasons at 10,000 people, two seasons at 10,000 people, how much money is that extra? Five, 10 million quid? More? You know, what What about finishing eighth instead of finishing 13th? And, or, you know, what about bringing in um, commercial revenue in the terms of sponsorship and kit, kit deals that aren't shit compared to the rest of the Premier League that aren't like a 20th or a 30th of what top six clubs do? So it's fine saying we can only spend what we've got, but it also just completely, to me, Norman, seems like they're absolutely absolved themselves of responsibility for bringing that money in. It's your job to bring that money in. If you'd signed, and I don't know because a lot of things Steve Bruce is a bad manager, but if they'd signed Hamza Chowdhury plus another on loan, wouldn't you Castle United and to say these lads have been here since the start of the season, since they brought, say they brought in Joe Willock earlier, and if Salomon Rondon had signed in 2016, wouldn't you Castle be sitting on one point from three games and not the League Cup already. It's almost like this, again, I call it a consequence. They, they believe that they, they live in a consequence-free world. Like Anything they do, they don't have to answer for those actions because that's got nothing to do. A has nothing to do with B. And even though C has happened, why don't you dare look at A and B to suggest that the, that, that both of these things got us there? It's just, it's just, I don't know, mate, is it a, am I being harsh here? Is it a, is it a childish way of looking at it? Or, or are we supposed to be the children? Are we the people who, who are supposed to not be able to look beyond this stuff? Well, the first part when you mentioned the possibility that Ashley took money out of the club because Rafa wouldn't stay, I mean, that is one of the biggest huffs I've ever heard me in Taylor. It's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? Um, if that's the case, obviously, this is all speculation, isn't it? Um, the other thing is the club said that they want to be sustainable and spend within their means, but then in the same sentence, more or less, they're saying they've spent more money than the budgeted for to secure that primary target. So they've almost just gone back in their own word, like immediately. Um, and the... We are looking at it. Is that now we're in our what, fifth season in the Premier League, mate? And I said this pre-season, we are on paper the middle the mid-table club. We're basically, and I've said this before, we're basically Stoke City from the noughties, right? More or less, there the end of the noughties, early tens. The club, I genuinely think it's almost like they don't learn the lessons and they don't understand that. Other teams evolve and we by like say let's say we finished what 10th, 13th, 12th, uh sorry, 10th, 13th, 13th, and 12th, right? It's almost like, well, that's it now. We've landed, right? We don't have to do anything. This is it's minimal investment. Now we've hit we've hit the target, we've met the ambitions, ambitions getting, we've done it. Four scenes of ambition that have been achieved now. Isn't this going well? We've got it, we don't have to do much anymore. Almost like not understand that other teams come up with the league, spend money. Other teams in the league already, they spend money, they develop, and they move on. We we don't seem to be able to understand that, and, and I don't know whether it's intentional, like or, or whether they genuinely believe it, and if, and if that's the case, if they do genuinely believe that what we've got right now is, is ideal because we're mid-table and we don't have to do much, then, wow, I mean, you're in for a big surprise uh, when we get relegated again. But another element of it is it's, it's hubris. There's like an arrogance there. Like, we know what we're doing, we know best, and you just need to shut up. Um, and it's it's really painful to see, mate, because it's a model, I believe, that is going to push Newcastle United towards another relegation within the next couple of seasons, if it continues. I really do. The interesting thing for me, mate, on this, this claim about money being taken out, I don't know that anyone credible has made that accusation. Who, who are they answering here? I've never thought it once. I've never thought yeah. it once over the last, like, I mean, certainly not over the last year, two years. I mean, as you say, the, the 30 million or so of that, that was well documented. Um, that may be, but prior to or subsequent to that, never even, never in my head. Never in my head, mate. This is, this is the problem, because you're spot on. It's, 
who wrote this and who's it for? Two things I don't know. Genuinely don't know. We can speculate, but we don't know. Here's a good one. <laughs> Here's a good one, mate. We're 45 minutes in and we're getting to the good stuff. For context, this summer, Sky Sports reported that Newcastle United's net spend was the 10th highest in the Premier League. I'd counter that, Norman, by saying every other Premier League club brought in at least one first team, I'd call first team player, who didn't play for them last season, new signing. Now, I'll give you an example, mate. So they're saying, what's everyone complaining about, man? Oh, yeah. Really 10th highest net spend. These are, I thought these were the kind of things that were like preposterous. I thought that um, football finances these days, transfer fees weren't the be all and end all. You've got agents' fees, you've got signing on fees, you've got to pay players to leave. So, like, looking at this on a base level, I thought that was exactly what the club used to say. Well, yeah, I appreciate it looks good in a graphic on Sky Sports News with Jim White, you know, sounding off. But but the reality isn't like that. Now all of a sudden they're saying this is the reality. But I'll give you an example, mate, right? I need two examples, in fact, and you can tell me your honest opinion. Everton. <laughs> Everton on this Sky Sports list um, are 18th for next spend with a £5.4 million profit. Everton's transferred business. They sold Moyes Keane. Uh, they loaned Moyes Keane to Juventus for £6 million. That's a loan fee. He still plays for Everton. And there they sold... Bernard for um, some sort of money. It's in a different currency, you know. What's wrong with the British pound, lads? Anyway, um, they brought in Damari Gray for one point eight million. They brought in Andros Tanzend on a free transfer. Salomon Rondon on a free transfer, and Osmia Begovic is backup keeper on a free transfer. Who had a better transfer window? Newcastle or them? Well, I mean, they did, but also what they what they have done is is that they've already got a, a squad in place. That is better for a start, right? So in that sense, they don't need to spend as much money because they've got a better squad, full stop. Um, and also, they haven't lost, like, what, five or six players that Newcastle lost up the summer? And look, I'm not saying that they're all first-team regulars, but the squad has weakened over the last two years, right, In terms of just in terms of personnel alone. We're a squad that's got four goalkeepers in it. Um, we're a squad that has players in that. Not, weren't even, they were named as squad players, but they're never going to get a game. Matty Longstaff comes to mind, yeah? So regardless of the fact that we've got the 10th highest net spenders by bringing in one player who actually formed part of the squad for half a last season, then anyways, um, we are, regardless, so much, so much weaker than we were last season and the season before, I would argue as well. So this means absolutely nothing. It's put on a piece of paper to try and make people think, oh, you know what, it's not that bad because we have spent the... 10th most amount of money out of everyone, zero con next. Um, and it's the same kind of information that's saying taking five players on loan. It's the same kind of information, right? It is utterly, utterly meaningless. If that was the 10th highest net spend and we brought in four players and spent 60, 70 million and the squad was better than it was five months ago, hands up, like, well done. You know, that's ambition, but it's not. We've spent 25 million and the squad is, as I say, no better than it was 12 months ago, basically. Give you another example. Spot on. Give you another example. If you need one, if your listeners need one, here's another one <laughs> about why this is absolute horse shit. Um, someone needs to ring War Flags, by the way, and say um, you need to come back and uh, tenth highest net spend in the Premier League. Surfer on the Gallagher, surfer on the Gallagher, or the Championship, whichever league we're in next year. Um, Chelsea, mate. Chelsea Football Club. Uh, great start of the season, which is which is bizarre because. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm being silly now, which is bizarre because according to this Sky Sports table, they uh, the finish um, just above Everton in 15th for net spend this summer with a £4.9 million pound profit. So I'll just, just run the list through who Chelsea bought this uh, this summer. They bought Romelu Lukaku with a fee listed at £103 million. Pounds. Um, didn't really sign anyone else. Um, but they sold Academy product Tammy Abraham for £36 million, Kurt Zuma for £31 million, I think who also came through their academy, uh, and Fikayo Tamori for £26 million, uh, and a couple of other players, uh, David Dez of Acosta for £8 million, and Victor Moses for £4.5 million. Arnie Castle United, Norman, suggesting that we had a better transfer winner than Chelsea. Do you believe it? I'm serious. Not whether you believe it, because I think you're going to tell me what you think on that. I think I could predict that answer. Are the football club, the football club that we spend our life talking about, supporting, spending money on, travelling, whatever, are they telling us that because Sky Sports has them 10th in the net spend table, that they have had a better transfer window than Chelsea have this summer? I mean, whoever wrote that, if they be, if they truly believe that, right? If they've thought, right, how can I, how can I polish this like, you know, big steaming turd of a transfer window? What I'll do is... I'll um, I'll try and see what Sky Sports are saying about it. Maybe they're saying something nice, and they've seen this little graphic and thought, "Oh, look at that man! That's not bad. I can hide that in. I'll hide that in without without even checking it." No, they didn't do that. This is just again words that they're using to make something that is meaningless and irrelevant sound important. Um, with the tenth highest spenders in the Premier League, it literally means nothing. It means nothing, but. In terms of this letter, it, it allows them to kind of, as I say, put up this um, or get, get the first get the first punch in before what could be become quite a, a horrendous fight over the course of the next few months. Um, and in terms of Gallagher flags, mate, the way that fans are dropping out of the stadium, there's not going to be enough people who hold a flag up anyway. So give that one a miss. But um, aye, it's it, it, it's just another meaningless meaningless platitude, mate. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head about wanting to know who wrote this because it's 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 it is meaningless, but it's worse than that. It's it it it's like wrong think. It's like feels like I'm the piss taking over me. It feels like yeah. it, the fact that in fact I'm I'm talking my first first um, reaction, and I think I wrote this in you know one of the True Faith WhatsApp groups. I think my reaction was, are they like are they do they genuinely believe this or are that actively taking the piss out of it as fans and to me it just does feel a bit like the latter like as you see it treat me like children and, and in that case if they're treating the fan base like children they're taking the piss because you know we're not children are we yeah spot on um your, your comment about other taking the piss is, is, is it, that was the reaction on social media is is is, is and you know, we we have got the best parts of this still to come so We'll take a really short break now and uh, and come back to you after these uh, very American adverts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on then, back to the back to the show at hand. Um, this is a beauty moment. <laughs> the club retained its best players despite the obvious financial challenges. Key question: What do you? What I gotta put it to you? Let's see if I think on the same level. What's the key question here? No one bidded for them. So the question is: Who bidded for these players that you um, knocked back when they came in with fees? You know, you know who? Knee one because knee one <laughs> came in for any of the players. That's why you retained them. If Everton, if the rumours were true and Everton come in with 40 million, 40 million, by the way, for ESM, I think the club would have taken it. I genuinely do. So this is just an, an absolutely ridiculously empty statement. Yeah, there's a lot of competition for what's the worst statement, but the club retains best players despite the obvious financial challenges. What what challenges? You the, Literally, it's just contradictory to the whole of the rest of the statement. You saying, for the good of this football club in its future, we will only spend what we make. What, what? Where's the challenge for keeping your best players? You've, you, you, you see, you, you, you don't have any money to sign any more players than Joe Willock. You went above and beyond, and you're beyond delighted, whatever that means, to have Joe Willock. That was the first target, and everyone at the club knew that was the pattern. To say otherwise is untrue. What the fuck's that got to do with retaining your best players? The two completely different things. Like you've correctly said, mate, it's almost like this is just stuff. Um, it's just words. It's just words in a piece of paper that's, that might sound good in a boardroom. But Jesus Christ, that's in terms of stuff being offensive. It's like, well, does anyone try and sign them? And if and if they did try and sign them, surely you would say we'll knock back several offers for key players. But it didn't happen, did it? So you can't say that. Fuck you know what, mate? You know what I'm thinking as well. These financial challenges, right? If you actually look at Mike Ashley's Sports Direct Empire, and he was one of the key architects of introducing zero-hour contracts into the you know the British employment system and I think on some level he probably feels that people should only be paid for the moments that they work right so financial challenges to him is basically well if I know Sam Maximan's only in training 12 hours a week and then he only plays a one and a half hour game at the weekend why am I paying him like why am I paying him for like a 40 hour working week or whatever it is like you know what I mean? <laughs> is that what it is it's like oh oh this is such a financial challenge that we have to pay these peers wages even when they're not playing you know what I mean like it's genuinely like it's it's absolutely mind-boggling like who wrote this? Who wrote it? Who sanctioned it? Um, I mean, God Almighty, who typed it? Who even typed it? It's outrageously bad. Like it is really, it's really, it's it's laughable, but at the same time, like absolutely demoralizing. Yeah, and when we're, we're coming to the best part, the part that you said to me pre pre recording, you were most keen to discuss. Um, having finished last season in twelfth place in the Premier League. Very important clarification, that Premier League. Um, and in the top six of the form table over the final nine fixtures, the club at all levels maintains a strong belief in our current squad. Why don't you take it away there, mate? Just quite possibly the most ridiculous thing I've ever read released by any football club in the history of football ever in my lifetime. Like anything I've read, every single thing I've read on football, I'm talking... Match Magazine from 1985, Roy the Rovers, Melchester Rovers cartoon comics when I was a kid. Nothing is as spectacularly shit as that. 
we were in the top six for form over the final nine fixes of the season. What what are they what are they seeing by saying that? Like, oh well, in that case, what we expect is that form to continue and let's work it out. Oh, six so six top over nine fixtures. Okay, so next season we're assuming based on that, we're probably gonna finish fifth. Based on that, we're, we're probably gonna finish fifth. It's like, no, lads, lads, it doesn't work like that. Remember the time we won two in 20? Is that not relevant here? I mean, like, mate, this, like genuinely, if whoever wrote this, like, listens to this podcast, I would love, I would love, love, love to interview you and just to get inside your mind because what is going on inside that mind of yours is just, I want a piece of it. I want to, I want to inject a bit of it in my own brain because almighty, almighty God, I am a cynic. And this is one of the most optimistically mad things I've ever read. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's the, you know, I come back to the the top six of the form table over a very, 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 very select number of fixtures. Mate, did you know that we are unbeaten this season if you only um, take into account the last game we played against Southampton? The club at all levels maintains a strong belief in our current squad. Again, a belief to achieve what? It's like, we're not going to tell you what we want to achieve. We're not going to tell you what the ambition is, but we believe in it. Oh, God, do we believe. Also, the club at all levels, it's like... I don't even know what that means. The club at all levels. It's uh, it's maybe um, maybe maybe actually Steve Bruce did get involved in this bit of it because if you remember last season when we didn't lose to Crystal Palace, even though we played them and lost them, do you remember that one? Yeah, that one, the one that didn't count. So maybe 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 that's kind of just pervasive throughout the whole club. It's like what we do is we we ignore the bad bits, pretend they didn't happen, and then we'll just focus on the good bits. So it's like oh, I uh, even though the season's thirty-eight games long and we won two in twenty at one stage, the last nine games is all that counts, really, isn't it? Just those last nine games. Saying like, no, that doesn't doesn't work like that, man. Football football doesn't work like that. At the end of this conversation, you are going to hear a clip uh, between me and the lads from Five Live. Um, at the end of the show, you can listen to me and Norman take that apart on a separate parent podcast. We'll do, but we wanted to kind of give everyone the opportunity to listen to it. And uh, Chris Sutton makes the point, or I make the point to Chris Sutton that Newcastle's form at the end of last season, while excellent, Newcastle beat Burnley seventeenth. Sheffield United 20th and Fulham 18th. Yes, they beat Leicester and, and yes, they beat West Ham. Good results. But 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 they were three of those games were games that Newcastle United should be looking to win. Just like I'd be expecting Newcastle United to beat Burnley to win the League Cup. Just like I'd be expecting them to beat a Southampton side who picked up five points in 2021 away from home. And they did neither. You know, this 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 top six, like you say, mate, like why even say it? It, it's just like it's just incendiary because it's like all right, well we're, we're the top six team in the, over those nine fixtures. What's nine fixtures? Quarter of a season, something like that. Um, Do you remember why? when we beat West Ham two um, 0 on the opening day of uh, last season? Remember that? Yeah. That was mint on it. We had like basically over the first one game of the season, we were like top of the form table. Like oh that that was good. That was a good period. Oh maybe maybe we didn't have to change anything then because we won yeah. that one game, didn't we? So all all as well in the world. I mean away away man. What I'll say is, mate. Um, what I'll say is. Again, maybe wishful thinking. You probably do think it's wishful thinking. Is it a little dig? Is it a little dig at the manager? They're rattled. This whole statement, they're rattled. There's one word for it, they're rattled. They very rarely ever speak to anyone ever. All of a sudden, Steve Bruce isn't happy and we've got a fucking... One of the maddest statements we've ever read in our entire life, which you've you know, just, just said yourself and, and said much better than me. But talking about top six of the form table over the last nine fixtures, fucking bottom of the form table now. Is it, are they having a dig? Are, are they saying to Steve Bruce, you've got the tools, Steve? Well, didn't they do a similar thing with Rafa when Rafa mentioned about strengthening the squad and 
I'm sure Ashley, even maybe it was on one of his, his interviews, his Sky interviews, where he spoke about the how good the current set of players were and how happy he was with the current set of players. I, I'm almost certain, like, I might, you know what it is? This might be a figment of me imagination, having lived as a Newcastle fan and I'm like Ashley for 14 years, but I'm pretty sure a similar conversation took place when Benitez was talking about strength in the squad and Ashley basically said that he, he really believed, he believed in those players. Something, something along those along those lines. I'm sure people are listening. Will correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, or maybe point me in the right direction. If uh, if I'm not just imagining this. <laughs> no, I think you're right, and I think it is a dig. I think that's a. We saw what you could do. We, we took a decision to buy Willock based on that, rather than buying four Emil Crafts or whatever, or two Emil Crafts and then two next when we had the money. Um, the club maintains it's a strong belief in its current squad. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I've just I just think it's like I just think it's a bit of a snide, snide comment that. I know I know I know on, on paper, which is what I'm reading it on, suggests that it's kind of like, nah, you know, the lads are great. I think it's a bit of we retain our belief in the squad. The the manager's the one to blame. I don't know. I just I just that that's what I want to believe because I want the manager to change. And it just could be me reading too much into it. But it's just it's such a strange statement. Who's it for? Who who is this for? Moving on to the end, and uh, the club absolutely left the best to last. So fair play to them for for providing me this entertainment. Even though they've just talked about the squad. If you know I remember being at like university, me lecturer would have taught us about repetition here. But anyway, we have a talented and committed group of players. You've just said that you already believe in them, who have shown that they are fully capable of delivering. You've just you said that again. Um, and we ask our loyal supporters to get behind their team because we are stronger together. I've got a lot to say on this, mate, so I'll let you go first. I don't have that much to say on it, other than you're talking two seconds ago about them blaming the manager, um, saying you, you're squad strong enough, so get on with it. You know, if this falls apart, it's your fault. This is also a way of saying, like, if we get relegated, it's partly your fault as well as fans because you didn't get behind the team. That it's it is absolute blame shift, and they think that they're doing everything right, and that the only way we'll get relegated is if the fans ask for too much and the manager asks for too much. That that's basically what it's saying to me. Um, where is it? Let me let me have a look at this again. We that we we have who have shown that they are fully capable of delivering delivering what what are they supposed to be delivering? So this again ties into the ambitions, right? The, we have ambitions, not saying what they are capable of delivering. Delivering what? What is it you expect from these players? What do you, writing this absolutely outrageous statement, what do you believe those players are capable of delivering? Because not once, mate, not once is that stated, what they actually believe those players are capable of. Very true. And you are left to assume in that void that it's simply staying in the Premier League and finishing 17th. This call to arms, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, Norman, I don't think it'll work. Don't think anyone's going to buy season tickets in the back of this statement, or not get angry when Leeds tower apart at St James's Park in two weeks, um, <laughs> because we are stronger together. That is like a wow statement. Now, most people would probably, or a lot of people, particularly fans outside Newcastle United, who don't don't pay as much attention as we do to it as Newcastle fans and people listening included, might think, well, obviously we're stronger together. Yes. All right. Were we stronger together? when the club decided to replace its popular manager with a manager who had just been sacked by Aston Villa. Where was the togetherness in that one? Were we stronger together in the COVID-19 pandemic when Newcastle United became the only club not to communicate with its season ticket holders about refunds and to commit to those refunds in a timely manner? 
Were we stronger together when the club legends Kevin Keegan and Alan Shearer were treated with like contempt and disdain by the people and the man who owns the club still? Where was the togetherness there? Were we stronger together when after um, three or four toxic seasons under Alan Pardew, they appointed Steve McLaren, who'd just been sacked by Derby County? Were we stronger together there? Were we stronger together? <laughs> were we stronger together? when fan favourite Jonas Gutierrez had to take the club to court and employment tribunal, um, alleging that he'd been treated differently because of a serious illness and threat to his life. Where was the togetherness there? Were we stronger together when the club uh, got promoted from the championship uh, with a record crowd for the second division and decided to increase prices by 10% after previously committing to keeping them the same? So, like you know, re- your reward for your support there for anyone who wasn't a long-term deal was a was a massive price increase. Where was the togetherness there? Where was the togetherness in season 12, 11, um, 12, 11, 11, 12, when the club deliberately took lower away ticket allocations after trouble on the pitch at Darlington? Were we stronger together there? Did the support matter there? You know, honestly, it's just an offensive line because if anything, the last fourteen years has shown us and continues to show us with statements like this is that we're not together. It's us v you. As supporters, you are you don't represent us, you don't work for us, you're not interested in what we think. You've lost you've lost tens of thousands of supporters over the years, over the decade, and new ones have, have come in. Some people are still going, some people aren't, some people got individual matches, some people don't. You've turned one of the hotbeds of world football in terms of fervor and support into the kind of situation that the first time we hear from you professionally in over two years is this batshit statement. Um, it's just, it's just, it's quite scary to talk about togetherness when, um, when I've just listed, there's probably about 30 other things, by the way, we were together when you ignored fan concerns about putting Wonga, uh, a payday loan company that was so bad, it ended up basically being bankrupted by legislation that said it was too evil to operate the way it did. Um, you know, I could go on, so I'm not, and we've done an hour and five minutes. But just your, were, your were we together? Your... Were we together when you decided to rename the stadium Sports Direct Arena? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's another example. There's a there's a litany of them, and I'm sure that people listening to this podcast will be able to just add their own as they go along on, on comments, and it will be it will be lovely. Actually, it'll be lovely to have a working document, wouldn't it? <laughs> of instances where we're clearly not strong and better together. This is a very niche comment, but I feel like I've just done a bit of King Thaden, you know, when, when he says Gondor will, will rise, and he's like, where was Gondor? <laughs> well, anyway, um, yeah, I think that I think that just about does it, mate, um, for this for this pod. It's it's been an experience. Any any last any final thoughts on this this statement overall? Is you know, since we've analysed it so so closely, any any additional thoughts for when uh, we kick the pod off? Just if anyone from the club is listening to this podcast. Please don't ever release a statement like this again because it's absolutely ridiculous. Although, admittedly, in terms of content for podcasts, it's brilliant. So, hey, you know what? Crack on. <laughs> I'm going to leave you now um, after another um, Americanized ad break um, with the full audio of uh, of my chat with the Monday Night Club, which is Mark Chapman, Micka Richards, Nedham Onua, and um, Chris Sutton, of course, about Newcastle start of the season. If you want to hear me and Norman analyze that in a bit of detail, uh, head over to our Patreon platform where you can also find ad-free podcasts, like I said, right at the start before me and Norman had this chat. Um, thanks, Norman, for your time. We'll be back with some, well, lots of podcasts on Patreon. Another free pod out through the week. And then we're back with uh, Pete Davey 
who's at Old Trafford for True Faith next Saturday. The return of um, Steve Bruce and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo to Old Trafford. Uh, can't wait for that. Full preview on Patreon of the match and uh, maybe as well normally be speaking to a Man U fan about that. So thanks everyone for listening. Keep it with True Faith. Speak to you all very soon. Cheers. Um, let's uh, we, we speak of uh, uh, overreacting on a Monday, um, and uh, <laughs> and one of the three of you talked about overreacting uh, after three games of the season and being wary of it. Uh, let's have our, our first Newcastle discussion of the season. I don't think we've had one yet on the previous two uh, Monday nights. Uh, Alex Hurst uh, from the Newcastle podcast True Faith joins us. How are you, Alex? I'm good, thanks, Mark. Mate, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. Let me let me first of all ask you about a tweet that you retweeted this afternoon from uh, from a man called Yusuf, who's written an article for the for the True Faith podcast, where he says, "My latest article, uh, sorry for the True Faith fanzine, Bruce out sure, but not at all costs. Good decisions don't come from desperation." So. What 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 is being laid out there? Um, what's the not at all cost bit, really? I think there's a I think there's a fear amongst Newcastle fans that if Bruce was to be replaced, he would just be replaced by one of his coaches. Obviously, I can't speak for Yusuf, who's an excellent mm. writer for True Faith, but um, I think there's a fear that Graham Jones, who did such a good job with England in the summer as part of Gareth Southgate's coaching team. Uh, and you know, came in and, and and some people would say transformed Newcastle's end of season form would be given the job. But you know, Graham Jones might be a really good manager, but he's had one managerial stint with Luton Town, and, and from what I understand, Luton Town fans weren't delighted with him. So I think I think you know, there's a feeling that a lot of Newcastle fans, myself included, think Steve Bruce does a very bad job at Newcastle. Newcastle very poor side in the room, almost impossible to watch. Uh, and that the next change, and I'm really fascinated by the conversation you guys have just had about Norwich and about what Adam said about mm. coming up with a style of play. I've watched Steve Bruce's Newcastle side now for three seasons, and I couldn't tell you what the style of play is apart from conceding about 20 shots a game, having about 30% possession, your goalkeeper making loads of saves, and, and occasionally nicking a result, and it's not a sustainable style of play to stay in the Premier League, unfortunately. And also, as well as that style of play, Alex, you know, if you go back to that Norwich conversation, uh, a, a transfer policy that brings in, you know, a lot of young, hungry players, both, and, and I know you did it with Willock last season on loan, but Norwich imagined to get three or four Willocks on, on loan from Premier League rivals to development and that, to develop them. And that, that bright young talent isn't heading to Newcastle for probably a variety of reasons. Well, yeah, and, and, and this is one one part that I do have some sympathy with Steve Bruce. You know, he hasn't improved his squad at all from last season. Don't get me wrong, Joe Willock is is a really, really good footballer. I, I think he's brilliant. I think he's destined for great things at the, at the highest level. But ultimately, he's got the same start in 11 as he did at the end of last season. I don't think there's a single other Premier League club who, who put themselves in that position. So that's that's definitely an issue. I mean, the, the whole club is in free fall. You, you'll have heard, or you might have heard, that the crowd really turned on Steve Bruce on uh, on Saturday at St. Yeah. James Park. I was at Aston Villa the week before in the away end, where for the first time in, in kind of my lifetime, I mean, I've seen Newcastle get beat away from home 
plenty of times and played terribly, but there were, there were boos, there were songs towards Steve Bruce. The away end was kind of half full at full time. There was there was eight thousand empty seats in James's Park on Saturday, and, and, and you know your three guys you've got on the show. Who've played well, us were Newcastle that bad against Aston Villa? And you know you oh, you, yeah. you, you sort was... of went back to the possession stats. I just had, had a look. The fifty three percent possession against Aston Villa. I, I remember yeah, the game. Well, was was there was there a moment where um, Wilson got clattered? He was just was it just offside? I mean, they had opportunities in that game. Uh, well, we didn't have opportunities. We were 2 0 down at that point. Um, it was about seven minutes to go in the game. So you, I don't, I don't think we gave them a game, Chris. I don't, I, this is this is the issue I think with with, with a lot of Steve Bruce. Six seconds away from winning at the teams. weekend. <laughs> but it's, it's very true. It would have been a scandalous, a scandalous win. I thought Southampton twenty-two shots for Southampton there. Um, Southampton missed an open goal in the first half. Just to bring it back to the Villa game quite quite briefly, and, and, and you guys might know about more about Villa than me, but the, the issue with a lot of teams is they don't have to play well to beat Newcastle. So I thought Villa were very average against us, but one goalkeeper hasn't had to make a save. You said we had chances. We had one shot on target, and that was a 93rd minute. It wasn't a shot, basically. Um, this is the issue. You don't have to play well to beat Newcastle. In Steve Bruce's whole tenure, we have come from behind to win a game away from home once so if you get the first goal against Newcastle United and you're playing at home the game is over the game is won and this isn't a new guy in the job this is a guy who's been here three seasons now and you, you're right Chris Newcastle could have won at the death I, you know I, I disagree completely with Steve Bruce I'm not a fan of VAR myself but Newcastle haven't been a victim of VAR in justice this season um, you know the penalty uh, Aston Villa was a penalty the penalty for Southampton at the weekend was a penalty. You can't, you know, Newcastle have uh, given him a penalty in all three Premier League games. That's not a mistake. We're, we're the most defensive team in the league who can't defend. I, did, I had to say, I did find the post-match interview slightly odd with the focus on VAR yeah. from Steve Bruce. But, but Mikey, you watched it. I mean, you, you watched it in the office on, on Saturday. And the easy thing is to go, oh, my God, they were winning and they gave away an injury time penalty. How unlucky is that? But as Alex rightly points out, Southampton dominated that game. Yeah, the 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 did, and obviously I've 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 worked under Steve Bruce and um, Steve Agnew, and it, it's strange sometimes because you know that the training methods are really really good. You know that the play off the front foot, we, we work hard. He wants everyone to be re- really fit, but at times when you're watching Newcastle, it doesn't really transpire onto the pitch. I don't know if it's confidence is playing. Alex has mentioned that they're starting with the, the same team as well. So for, for for Alex, it's more question for you. What is it that you need to, to go forward? Is it is it just the owners? Is it, what what, what do you want? Well, I, I think that's a good question because I think, I think there's a good team there, you know. I think you look at Callum Wilson, you look at Alison Maximin, look at Joe Willock. These are players that would get in a lot, you know, they might not get in teams in the top six or that area. But the, but the rest of the, the rest of the Premier League, I think, look at look at those players with envy. envy. Uh, a lot of fans don't like Steve Bruce because he, he in, insists on playing players out of position. You guys will know Miguel Almiron and Ryan Fraser. They're not central midfielders. They're wingers, attacking players. They get played in central midfield. It's just it's baffling to, as a fan, uh, you know, to a see it done and then to see the performances week after week. And it's like, how annoyed can you get? Because a lot of people say. We're we'll the players. Yeah, but were, the were, you, were, were the Newcastle fans, the majority of the Newcastle fans, just angry at the start of the season 
and not seeing things fairly. And when I say that, I'm talking about the end to last season, which remarkable statement from Steve Bruce when he said he's going to start doing it his way. I didn't understand where that quote came from. You're thinking, well, what the hell happened before then? But but the results did start to turn when his players came back. Wilson, um, you know, got himself fit. So Maximum, um, who you've mentioned, a big player. And Newcastle performed well now. Sort of three games into this season, and and it's a situation where I think we all expected the fans to turn. This was inevitable. This was going to happen. But has he been given a fair crack of the whip this season? Three games in. What what effect is that going to have on him? And what effect is it going to have on on the team as a whole? Is it helpful? Is what I'm trying to say. The reaction think, at the weekend. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I think. Is it, well, first of all, you've already got kind of 8,000 fans walked away from Steve Bruce's team, which is unheard of at Newcastle. So 8,000 people have already decided this isn't for me under Steve Bruce. There's a lot of us, including myself, think that a decent manager, someone like Eddie Howe, I and mean, you've just been talking about Daniel Fark at Norwich, who has a style, has an identity, his teams play football. If it doesn't go well one week, they can work on things the next week. Mickey, you just said training when you went to Steve Bruce, everyone you know, wanted to be fit. Newcastle look unfit. And in fact, you, you know, you saw Newcastle first game against West Ham. Newcastle were probably the better team in the first half. West Ham were a good team, as they should. Second half, it was men against boys. The, the fitness of the West Ham team and the West Ham midfield like dominated Newcastle in the second half. It's quite embarrassing to watch. And to bring it back to your question, Chris, about, you know, is it helpful? I, I, I don't think that Steve Bruce has it in him to, to improve players at this level. Look at a player like Jamal Lascelles, who under the previous manager was being touted for England being touted for £40 million moves to Chelsea. He's a liability at the minute. He's, taught, he's played two league games, cost Newcastle uh, two penalties and another goal. I think the concern is with the first three games of this season that it's, it's, it's more of the same, more of the same nonsense as last season. And you referenced Chris Newcastle's very good end to last season. But if you break it down, who did the beat at the end of last season? The beat, uh, West, um, Sheffield United, relegated. Fulham, relegated. Burnley, 17. They beat West Ham, which was a good win, but West Ham had 10 men, and they got a really good win against Leicester, which, to be fair, despite Leicester's excellent, I mean, poor end of the season, it's a, it's a really good win. So it wasn't it wasn't as if the, the tide had changed. It was, I thought they were still playing quite badly, but picking up a couple of results where they weren't. You know, we went 21 games last season and won two of them in the middle of the league campaign. Most managers in the Premier League don't survive that, and if there'd been fans in the stadium last season during that period... I don't think he'd have survived it then. So to see no improvement, when you say it was always going to happen, half-time against West Ham, it wasn't going to happen. Half-time mm. against West Ham, when we played well against a good team and showed some attacking intent, why is it Newcastle... But, but I'm talking about the anti-Bruce anti, the anti -Bruce agenda by well, a it doesn't just stop the, it. it Chris, Newcastle it doesn't just support. stop at the end of one season and then there's a blank sheet no, of paper no, and um, everybody's no, happy no, again. And, 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 that's, and, and that's the whole point. I mean, I, I don't know how he keeps going. I, I don't, I don't understand... How he keeps going because he is just hated by the Bolton. If you were him, would you, if you were him, would you walk away? Uh, depends how much he's been paid. Yes. Yeah, right. Well, there are a lot of things more important than money. No, absolutely. And, 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 and Steve and Bruce has enough money, and, the, and that's well, I don't know that, but you know, he probably does. 
but <laughs> what I would what I would say is that it, it's it's remarkable how the abuse which he has taken. He's a he's a Geordie. He loves the club. It's remarkable. It, it tells you a lot about his character would, that he's actually sticking this out. Would, I, would I mean, you, it's incredible. Would you walk away, Nadem? Um, I think I understand why he's not walking away. And that's because as a manager, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that you can make the team better and that you're good enough. And I think if he decides to walk away, then there'll be questions asked about him for the remainder of his career. Because like, as I say, the team is struggling and the fans seem to not like him. But, but it's not going to get any every better week he, it, No, he thinks, no, but he must believe that he can. He must believe that he can. Because otherwise he wouldn't be in the job, as you've mentioned there. He has to believe that he can make that team better. Um, if I If I said to all three of you, what are Newcastle at the moment? What would you What would you say, Nedim? You can go first. Um, okay, so I'm, if I've got a second, I'm going to do this in two parts. So at the yes, minute, there's a phrase in America where they call it a dumpster fire, and that's what Newcastle are. But uh, start well, the season. We're not in America, so what's the English version? Just call it whatever you called Arsenal at the weekend, or the two things you called Arsenal, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> But, <laughs> but at the start of the year, I spoke with Callum Wilson and he was saying how this year they were going to be more front foot and they're going to try and score more goals and all this stuff. So it seems like they're a team who want an identity but don't know how to get there. And maybe that is a managerial thing. So I guess I'll just describe them as lost. Yeah, um, uh, which is, which is and, and that's the point, Nadam, isn't it? You look at those stats from that Southampton game and Southampton are a side who you, you wonder, you know, whether they're fragile or not, lost their opening game. All right, they've got a good point against Manchester United in the second, but they've lost a few players. What are people making of them? Uh, and they went to St. James's Park and dominated. They were on the front foot. Yeah, I think that's what happens in football sometimes. When you know that a team is in a bad spot, you travel up there and you don't fear that occasion. I think there have been plenty of times where probably the three of us have been to St. James's Park when it's been rocking and you know that's going to be a very, very tough occasion. Yeah. But when you arrive and you know that it wouldn't take a lot for the crowd to go against their team and against their manager, it gives you more confidence because it feels just like a free hit, basically, I think. Chris, what would, how would you? What are Newcastle? They're an unhappy club with an unhappy support. But this, you know, this really, um, I have big sympathy for Steve Bruce because this isn't just about Steve Bruce, is it? This is this is more about the owner and 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 what's gone on above Steve Bruce. You can have uh, but, sympathy but, but, for but, Steve Bruce but, whilst recognizing that Steve Bruce is part of the issue as well. Yeah, oh, look, at, uh, of course, the brand of football, you know, I've mentioned, you know, his comment last season and the way that things turn around. But I, I don't, you know, the the only the only end to this is, is going to be Steve Bruce. Eventually, either he's going to be sacked or he's going to walk away because I, I can't I can't see even if he had a good run of results, what? the the fans changing their opinion of him because of what's happened in the past. And that's a sad, sad state of affairs. What's in Newcastle, Micah? You can do it in one word um, if you want. It's, it's too, it's too, it's too hard. It's, it's too, it's too difficult because, like Chris has said, they, they've got problems with the owners. The, the, the fans don't like the, the manager, and they've struggled to keep the players fit last season. This season's not started off well, so it's like you're looking for that love story, and and it's it's not there. No matter where you try to plug the the, the gaps, you know, you mm. know, and I've and I've. I've I've said so many times that I feel for the Newcastle fans because I've been there and it's rocking. But if you're a, a manager and the owner's giving you one player, which is now they've got Willock full time, 
then ultimately, if they lose one or two players, they're going to be in the same situation as next season and struggling until they're back fixed. So it's just difficult. Difficult times. Thought um, Alex is a final one. Nadim's use of the word "lost" seemed seemed very appropriate. Yeah, oh, definitely. And um, there's there's so much antipathy around the club, and there's always a danger at a football club where their anger does turn into kind of people just shrugging their shoulders and giving it up. And that's the great concern that the club is hemorrhaging fans in one of the most passionate parts of the football uh, country about football. And the club don't seem to care. They don't seem to want to address it. Steve Bruce isn't the man. And, and my concern, my concern, Mika, is you've mentioned that uh, Newcastle lose a couple of key players and then we're screwed. That's true. But we've got all our players for it at the minute and we're still rubbish. <laughs> we still haven't been able to, to beat. Well, at least, but at least Burnley, you're still scoring. At least you're still scoring, though, you, Alex. Yeah, we'll at, as much as you think you're rubbish, <laughs> we'll at least we'll you're still scoring. You have to take the positives as well, though. You know, yeah, I, I know it's it's disheartening for you right now, but at least Maximan and Wilson are scoring goals. Yeah, there is that, but McKinney Castle play, there's five at the back system. They play Jacob Murphy, who's not a full-back at full-back. They play Matt Ritchie, who's not a full-back at left-back. And that's where the frustration comes from, because I know Newcastle are going to get rinsed on the flanks because we don't play defenders there. How can't Steve Bruce see it? These are the things fans just think. What am I actually doing? So you, so you know better than Steve Bruce, then. And listening to, I mean, who's had a, who's had a, you know, a long career in management, and, and you know, some of this, you know, I can, I can just sense you're unhappy with him, and you know, even the stuff last season, his victories, well, they were rubbish. They were rubbish, although they were Premier team, uh, Premier League teams last season. Uh, well, you know, hang on a minute. Were, well, uh, Alex, and, can and, I answer? And Alex, City, can where I... they were brilliant. It was sort of a begrudging. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, they did do well. well that was a fluke. And I mean, Alex it, didn't say that. Hang on, hang on. Well, Alex, I, well, Alex can answer for himself, I suppose. But it, all he pointed out was that two of the teams were relegated, and one of them finished seventeenth. Yeah, but they they, they were still well, Premier League teams, so you know, don't don't, concern, don't let's not give him con- any credit for anything. The concern, the, the, the concern, the, the concern, Chris, is who can we actually beat? That's the thing. So we played Burnley uh, in the League Cup, and he made he made nine changes. He didn't play any of the best players. We got knocked out of the League Cup. One of the few bright sparks last season where Bruce did well is getting us to a League Cup quarter final he then got beat by Brentford Reserves That's Brentford right, are yeah. a good team but they yeah. played a reserve team and knocked out in embarrassing fashion but so, so it's almost like Bruce isn't isn't grasping you, those opportunities what, why not send your best lads out against Burnley Burnley yeah. much weaker yeah. team G- give them a hammering bounce into Southampton on Saturday with a bit of momentum so Steve Bruce is, is to me is the architect of his own downfall something but just, just want to really come back on your comments there about last season I give Bruce loads of credit last season for turning it around. So did loads of Newcastle fans. The problem is, I keep seeing the same like catastrophic performance week after week. It doesn't get. There's no improvement. There's nothing to hang your hat on. Mika, you're saying the lad scored a couple of goals there. Like Jesus Christ, is this is this us getting beat four two by West Ham? Thinking Hooray, we scored two goals. It's not good enough. It wouldn't be yep. good enough for any of the club I'll, clubs you Alex, support. So I, it I'm gonna, be for us. I'm gonna have to move on. You, uh, I mean it. If there's a positive in this, do you know when you play Arsenal? <laughs> I asked the fans, it was a joke. It was a joke. I don't, think, I get it loads of abuse. I don't think it was. It was a joke. But Alex, thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, lads. Thank, thank you. you. Alex, Alex, host of Newcastle True Faith. I've got a text from Colin Murray.